Welcome to Kankakee Podcast, where we talk about the people and places of Kankakee County. I'm Jake Lamore, and this is our monthly episode where we team up with the Kankakee County Museum, and we put out a, a fun episode on something that deals with the county's history, which is something we're uh, all fascinated at here at Kankakee Podcast. Um, and uh, once again, joined by Jack Clacy from the Kankakee County Museum. Welcome, Jack. How are you? Very good, and it's always a pleasure to be here and uh, work on the Kankakee Podcast and pass on what I hope are some interesting tidbits of history for your listeners. And you always have interesting tidbits. Always. I mean, from your art- articles in the Daily Journal or just casual conversation, it's like you just... Let it rain with your your uh, historical knowledge. And uh, t- today's topic, uh, actually, before we get to today's topic, I, I do want to make sure we touch on some upcoming museum events, too, um, because I want to make sure we're uh, letting people know about some things that are happening at the museum. Uh, the big thing coming up is the uh, 32nd Annual Rhubarb Festival. That's going to be May 22nd, which is a Sunday. It's from 10 to 4. I know something new this year is there's going to be an old uh, car display, which That's was right. something mm-hmm. maybe that was done in previous years. I don't know, but it's it's new this year at least. Yeah, not that we know of. I think that this is going to be a first for us at the end. We'll devote one section of our area on 8th Avenue for the automotive display. And how fitting is that for the museum, you know, to see uh, old antique cars at the Kankakee mm-hmm. County Museum. So uh, it's always a great time. And uh, Kankakee Podcast will have a booth there as well. Uh, please stop by and say hello. But yeah, we look forward to having you there. Uh, thank you, Jack. Thank you. And, and plenty of, you know, live entertainment, music, um, food, lots of vendors. It's always a fun time. So... Um, yeah, one of the things that uh, is a little new this year as well, of course, obviously, uh, the rhubarb pies and uh, jams and so forth are uh, tied very closely to the subject since uh, it's called now a small fest. park was yeah. once a good part of a rhubarb fields. Uh, but the, the new event is going to be a pie-eating contest. Oh, that's right. I forgot. That's new, too. Yes. That'll be a lot of fun. It should be interesting and messy. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was going to say, that would be very messy. I uh, I, I kind of want to enter that one, if it's especially if it's strawberry rhubarb pie. I don't know if that's going to be uh, a thing you can eat, but because um, I like strawberry rhubarb pie versus just regular 
rhubarb. Yeah, it's very popular. We offer strawberry rhubarb pies and jams as well. That's what I thought. And uh, that it's very popular. We sell out of pies very quickly. Uh, if somebody wants either a slice of pie or to buy a whole pie, uh, it's a good idea to try to uh, get in there early for that because they tend to be very popular. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So you can get more information on the Rhubarb Festival or anything the museum-related, uh, com. There's also Facebook and Instagram you can find at Kankakee County Museum. So, yeah, today's subject, we're talking about, once again, a last month we talked, we, we focused on prominent uh, women in our county's history because uh, it was, uh, March was uh, National Women's Month. And yet again, this month we are focusing on a prominent woman in our county, but kind of known for some other things, not necessarily, um, you know, I, I guess controversial things, you might say, right? Um, and I'm, I, Jack, I'm really glad you picked uh, her because I feel like she's a hot topic in the area and the place that she ran and the place that she comes from is also a hot topic in our county's history as well. So that is, uh, I'll let you say it. Okay. Our <laughs> topic uh, this month is Nell Clark, who was uh, described in various ways. Uh, one of the kinder ones would be as a shady lady. <laughs> uh, that's, one, that's a kind way to put it. Yeah. Uh, she was also something of an entrepreneur, of course. Uh, she had quite a, a lively business for... Oh, probably close to 50 years or so in and around Kankakee. Uh, Nell was, of course, the uh, premier madam of the uh, area. Her uh, brothel or house of prostitution or whatever you want to call it was so many very well known names. in the city. So many different names for that business, isn't there? Yes, during the uh, <laughs> Victorian period or the, or the early, late uh, 1890s and up through a good part of the 1900s, uh, the popular term for some reason in newspaper stories was resort. They called it a resort. <laughs> yeah, sometimes they would say brothel, sometimes they would say disorderly house, but most commonly uh, it was uh, Nell Clark's Resort on West Avenue. <laughs> I've never so. heard it uh, referred to as a resort. That's great. It's not something you take the, the kids for a vacation to, I don't think. That's why I'm surprised they used resort. Although I feel like you could use the word resort as long as you attached, like, adult resort yes. to it, you no, know? I, I think it was partially the usage at that time where resort had a somewhat different meaning than what it has today. You know, that we think in terms of resort as a place with a beach and uh, take the family to a resort in this case was on vacation, probably yeah. just a uh, a place where you'd go for something. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, Nell was born in Iroquois County uh, outside Papineau in, in 1863. So she was a child of the Civil War. I always forget Papineau is in Iroquois. I yes. always think it's in... Kankakee, but it's just right. I mean, it's so close to the border. Yeah, had there been a, a there was a battle for over a number of years, or very early in the uh, the county's history, where they wanted to acquire a strip of land on the south end of what is now the county, and it would have included Papineau and I think Beaverville, but uh, 
despite a lot of controversy, the that was voted down by the the voters. So yeah, you're right. It could have been in Kankakee County. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Emma's uh, excuse me. Nell was born as Emma Benjamin was her name, and uh, don't know much about her family. Uh, they apparently were farmers, and just about everybody in and around in Iroquois County at that time were farmers, unless they were small merchants. She married young at the age of 15, which, again, was not unusual at that time. Very common. Uh, married a man named uh, Horace Clark. And Horace was kind of jack-of-all-trades, but he actually mostly was, was a blacksmith. Uh, after they were married, they ended up in the town of Waldron, which, of course, is today's Aroma Park. And lived there for a number of years. Uh, Harold had his blacksmith shop. We don't know exactly where because city directories didn't have covered that area at that time, so we don't know the address. And but, Waldron was the first name of Aroma Park, right? Uh, originally, it was Aroma, and then when the railroad came through from the southeast from St. Anne, uh, the entrepreneurs there did subdivisions land along this, both sides of the railroad, which was just a little north of downtown Aroma Park, and they named it Waldron. Okay. And so, but and it got to be kind of a... So it went back and forth It then. went back and forth. It went back to being Aroma sometime, I think, well after the turn of the century. Uh, but in popular usage, the area was often referred to as Waldron for many, many years. Yes. Uh, even though it was actually Waldron and or. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, Aroma. now you you still kind of hear it because you got Waldron Road. Oh, yes. That's, that's one right. of the main roads that goes through the that's area. Right. So <laughs> you'll hear a lot of people say, yeah, uh, over by Waldron or Waldron right. Road, or they won't even say Aroma Park. They'll just say <laughs> Waldron Road. Exactly. Uh, anyway, she lived there for a number of years. Uh, she and Horace had three children, a daughter named Gertie. And uh, sons Arthur and Sylvester. Uh, they will come up in the story again later. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's kind of a blank period uh, between the time she got married and the time when she began showing up in the newspapers in Kankakee, especially under another name. She she was, we don't know exactly when she got became known as Nell or Nellie. Uh, right, because she was born uh, Emily? She was born Emma. Emma. And uh, the first mention that I've found, or any other researchers I think that have been looking into this found, uh, was in uh, February 1893 in the Kankakee Gazette, uh, where there was a uh, newspaper story that said, uh, just a brief one, that said, there's a house in the Riverview subdivision occupied by Mrs. Nellie Clark, with a staff of handsome, but by no means prudish damsels. <laughs> so apparently her first house in this area was in 1890, early 1893. Uh, Do you know, that wouldn't have been City Tavern. You no, said no, Riverview. City so. Tavern is, yeah, yeah it was, we never did, we weren't able to find an address for that either. Again, For the Riverview it, house that they yeah, just... Yeah, it was okay. somewhere in the current Riverview. Yeah. Which was developing at that time. Yes. Uh, but it must have been one that's been around for a while. I would imagine maybe the house wasn't, it might not even be standing anymore. Possibly not, because there was a lot of you know, tearing down and rebuilding in that. And area. it might have been hard to find an address anyway, because it was probably a, obviously a hush hush 
That's right. Or, operation. And, and the, the city directories for that period are spotty. We don't have a full collection. And, so, and they generally would only give a an, – and the addresses were different. The city's addressing system, house numbering system changed in 1913. And so it's very hard sometimes to relate an address from 1893 to the address it would be today okay. because it was kind of scattered. Yeah. Uh, at that time, for example, the the north-south streets, the street numbering began at the river down in River. For example, you know, Harrison, it would be uh, possibly one Harrison Avenue or something like that and then go north. And there was no north-south designation, so numbers went all the way past Court Street and they still were. But then in uh, 1913, the east, the north-south streets were uh, divided north or south okay. by Court Street and the east-west streets by the railroad tracks, basically. Okay. As far as naming. Anyway. Well, here's uh, – sorry. I was just thinking. So at, the, at that time mm-hmm. – Prostitution, it was illegal, right? Or was it legal? No, it was not legal. It was illegal, uh, but it was there were strange attitudes, I think, uh-huh. at times. Uh, the tone of a lot of the stories in the newspapers where it was kind of tongue-in-cheek or sort of humorous or, oh, this is, you know, just something that is. Yes. You know, uh, there was not any cries of alarm and, you know. Oh, horrors, we have this going on in our city, except from occasionally from the ministers and so forth. But, <laughs> right. Uh, but the was, uh, there's also some indication, we haven't been able to quite pin this down other than a passing mention, that's possible that Nell was working down in Champaign before she set up business in Kankakee. There was, you kind of mentioned earlier, this kind of a blank part of her history right. where you know she had children, but you don't know what she was doing right. during that time That's necessarily. Right. If she was a stay-at-home, mm-hmm. uh, you know, wife yeah. or or a stay-at-home mother, or mm-hmm. if she had yeah. <laughs> participated in in her right. business elsewhere before mm-hmm. in Kankakee County. Yeah, in '93, the first time she shows up in any mention in Kankakee, she would have been 30 years old, um, and. Uh, so she was not a teenager anymore. <laughs> yes, and thirty years old was old back at that time. At yes. that time, that's right. So it would make sense that she would be running mm-hmm. a house of right. of women. That's right. <laughs> yeah, there was one passing story that we ran across that about a uh, a police officer, or a sheriff from down in Champaign County, that had come to Kankakee to try to uh, collect a debt or something from. Mel Clark and I have a little hazy on it, so I don't remember too much of it, but, but somehow that was, gave an indication that she had been operating down in Champaign before she came settled up here again. Okay. Uh, so, so 1893 mm-hmm. is the first time she was mentioned in the Kankakee Gazette. Right. And as, as, as Nell or Nellie Clark. Correct. Yeah. And the names Nell and Nellie seem to be interchangeable because some accounts count her as Nell, some account her as Nellie. Yeah. Uh, her uh, mausoleum down in Iroquois County, she was buried in a Prairie Dell Cemetery near uh, Papinaw. Over the door is Nellie Clark. So, uh, but again, it was you know, definitely interchangeable. Um, 
I wonder if that was her middle name or someone mm-hmm. else's name yeah, relation in the family, to, or maybe just was yeah started out as kind of a nickname or whatever. Could have been a nickname, kind of like uh, kind of like you, Jack. <laughs> you know, yes. Jack and John. That's right. Yeah. I'm John for formal purposes and uh, mm. Jack for everything else. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, going on though to uh, to Nell or Nellie <laughs> Clark, starting from. So, so from that that first newspaper article in in Kankakee, what what comes next in in her story and running? So, she, so it sounds like she was running a house in the Riverview Correct. district. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then some of the city directories later on in the eighteen ninety three or even in other things place her in other addresses on South Third Avenue on various places on West Avenue, different numbers, streets and so forth, but the, uh, she was associated most closely with a, a big yellow two-story building, uh, brick yellow brick building at 367 Southwest Avenue. Uh, I don't know whether she built it or somebody else built it and she bought it, but she apparently had set up business there in, uh, <coughs> excuse me, again in 1893. She was... Uh, There's, again, a uh, little newspaper story that said, uh, Madame Clark and her flock are moving today into the house on West Avenue next to Reitz's Lumberyard. And as far as we can tell, that's the house at 367. Uh, There was a lumberyard for many years, but it's, what, halfway between uh, Station and Hickory Street. And that house is not there Today, yes, it is. Is that City Tavern? <laughs> that is now the City Tavern. Okay. And it has been uh, City Tavern and other uh, tavern type businesses for for quite a few years. Since I mean, since then, because I mean, pretty, yeah. I you know, I would imagine running a brothel. You you have gentlemen downstairs mm-hmm. that are drinking. Yes, and they're mingling with mm-hmm. women before they go upstairs and mm-hmm. do their thing. Surprising, not maybe not surprisingly, but quite frequently when uh, Nell was charged with something and ended up paying a fine, it was for uh, selling a beer without a license. <laughs> <laughs> it's so odd that they would. Was she ever pinched for actual oh, prostitution? Yeah. She, yeah. Oh, yeah. She yeah. spent a lot of time uh, back and forth between the Kankakee County Jail and her place or the courthouses and so forth. Uh, she had a long career, and so she spent a lot of time there. Yeah, but so she <laughs> built that that house then. Either she built it or she bought it. We, You're I, not, I haven't found not a sure. record of it, but okay. uh, yeah. And that neighborhood at the time was kind of mixed residential and business uh, or industrial. As I mentioned Reitz's Lumberyard. There was a lumberyard there, and I've forgotten that later lumberyard may have been troops. Uh, at the corner of, of Station Street and West Avenue. Uh, and then, of course, in the block further south where where the Jewel Osco store is right now, that was for many years the uh, largest factory in Kankakee, Bear Brand Hosiery Company. Now, that didn't start building up until the late mid to late 1890s. So at the time that Nell first set up, I think it was probably mostly residential there was uh, a uh, a foundry over on the uh, Washington Avenue side and there were some a lot of 
the brick, uh, excuse me, stone buildings, uh, one of which used to be Sully's Restaurant, of course, and so forth, on further down West Avenue. In it's that, a beautiful in that limestone building there. Oh, yes. Sully's is, mm-hmm. right next to Paul's place. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and we have older pictures of that block showing it was just full of, it was a full industrial block between Bourbon A Street and, uh, and River. And as we've mentioned in previous episodes together with the museum, East and West Avenues at that time were the downtown areas of Kankakee. That's where everything was. So on either side, we're talking about the streets that are on either side of the railroad tracks, essentially. Uh, East Avenue was more of the commercial hotels and stores and so forth. West Avenue tended to be a little more industrial. Uh, mixed in with number of taverns. brothels. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> number of taverns and uh, you know various buildings at, at different times. So we have no. You have no idea on how she got into that business. No, she. No. Just, uh, I think you know. At uh, I suspect at some point, at some point she eventually was divorced from Harold uh, because he remarried in I think eighteen ninety six. Okay. But uh, sometimes at that time of uh, period of time, and who knows, well into later years, uh, a woman who had uh, no other skills available to her would often go into that field because is prostitution because it uh, was a source of income. Yes. Uh, but who knows? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that at that time, Nell was not. The, the area where City Tavern is, that became known as like the red light district in Kankakee, right? Exactly, yes. Because were, she wasn't the only one oh, that no, was set were, up in that area. Right. There were other houses around uh, and then on the east side, far down East Avenue, kind of across roughly from her, her place uh, was a place called the Palm Tavern, which was somewhat notorious as kind of a, a low dive. And I believe that there was organized gambling upstairs and that Nell had a hand in that somewhere in terms of investment or some such thing. Okay. But um, So what was her – I'm sorry. I, I can't remember if you said this earlier. What When she – what is now today City Tavern, what was her place called? Uh, it was when she, called her his things. At times it was called a hotel. <laughs> Uh, and I don't have. But it wasn't the, called like Nell's Place or no, something like it, that. It had no, no. At at times it was styled as a boarding house. <laughs> okay. Uh, and other times, it, if there's, most often looking in the city directories, the direct the for three sixty seven Southwest Seventy, it just showed the occupant as Mrs. Nellie Clark, <laughs> uh, or uh, sometimes a widow of Harold. She started okay. calling herself a widow long before he died somehow, I guess. She had ment- mentally killed him off, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And and maybe she thought that would help her income out too, oh, yeah. I would imagine. And widow sounds better than divorced. Exactly, especially <laughs> at that period of time. Yes. So she she gets the, the 367 <laughs> building and then what what happens? Uh, obviously, she gets her business going there. Right, and she has uh, frequent visits from the police officers and so forth. An example, I, I was talking about the kind of humorous or tongue-in-cheek way of look at this. There's a 
This is a story from the Kanki Democrat of 18, uh, August 1893. And uh, it was the, the details of how the place was raided at one time. And I'll go ahead and quote it, I think, here. Quote, uh, a warrant was issued and Chief Boulay gathered his men for a great roundup, the newspaper reported. This was on August 11th of 1893. The solemn hour of midnight had passed when from behind some boxcars came forms of stalwart men with helmets on their heads and brass buttons upon their manly bosoms. They surrounded the family, uh, the, uh, excuse me, they surrounded the lonely house in which love and fair Nelly reigns. I'm sorry, where fair Nelly reigns supreme. Then work commenced in earnest. From all rooms, all the rooms, men and fair damsels were brought in in all stages of dress and undress. There was much consternation and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Mrs. Clark was the only one who remained cool-headed. <laughs> yeah, because it was— A very would... different tone from most newspaper stories of today. Yeah, that's funny. And as you said, it's very tongue-in-cheek. They're kind of making, you know, light of it or making fun of it oh, yes. and having a great time with it. And I would imagine she's probably cool because that's probably however many—at that point, she probably had been through that who knows how many times. Oh, yeah. Especially if she— was running some type of house in Champaign. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and she had been in business here already and would be for quite a long time. Yeah. And usually a follow-up on something like this would talk about uh, Nell and her her girls uh, appearing in a magistrate's court or something, and they would be fined $10 or whatever. And they would go and, about and their day. And, and Nell would reach into her purse or her pocket and pull out her thick roll, <laughs> literally, <laughs> and count off the amount of money to cover all of the all of the fines. Uh, it's even said, <laughs> uh, this is talking about regular raise. I mean, these went on fairly frequently. Every once in a while, the uh, the more uh, say uh, established and uh, upright <laughs> representatives of town would would raise questions, start hollering, we can't allow this sort of thing to go on. And so the police would make another raid or two. Uh, but, it, and there were probably, at any time, between the 1890s and the 1940s, uh, there were probably anywhere up to a dozen houses operating at somewhere in and around Kankakee, coming and going, they would go out of business and somebody else would turn up and that sort of thing. Uh, in 1934, uh, a big item of, uh, of news in the city was that they were going to uh, rebuild and repave six blocks of downtown streets. I think that may have been when they went from uh, stone blocks or, or brick to a, a paved-type street. But, but the standing joke around town was that that particular improvement had been totally financed by Nell's fines. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yes. <laughs> uh, no. I mean, it very well could be. I just, how, how were they not able to completely shut her down? How did it go from just, okay, we'll just do another raid and we'll bring him in, fine him, and then let him loose and let him do their thing again? How did she not get yeah. shut down? Were there officials 
There may have been going some... there, and that's how it didn't catch. Could be, or it just had been that they couldn't find the applicable law to shut it down. You know, I don't know maybe there was no specific law on, on the books. There ended up eventually, at some point, a, a case that went all the way to the Supreme Court of Illinois that finally allowed the uh, cities or units of government to uh, shut down a house and so forth as a common nuisance <laughs> and so forth. So apparently it must have been something with the the quality of the laws or the, the content of the laws. Uh, I know there were at least six state's attorneys through the years that tried to shut her down, and the only one that was somewhat successful was Wayne Dyer, who was the uh, state's attorney in the late 30s and early 40s, and he pretty much was somewhat successful. And she was still alive at that time? Oh, yeah. She wow, was alive. she would have She been. died in 1942. My gosh, she would have been... 79 years old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so anyway, she uh, during the uh, her heyday though in the you know early years of the century late the 1900s and early this century uh she and the girls would be seen quite frequently. She believed in advertising. <laughs> so she would go out with her. Oh yeah, they Where would, would they go? They would go walk take a walk downtown and walk through the town or they'd ride and she had a, a apparently a really high quality matched set of horses for her her buggy and a fancy buggy, and they would go out for rides in the in the afternoon and that sort of thing, or take a stroll down East Avenue and did a lot of shopping as well because uh, you got to look good. That's right, <laughs> you got to look good, and uh, they did. One story that I ran across, and I've heard this from other stores too. A lady who actually was ended up fairly prominent. She was president uh, curator of the historical society at one time. And was well known in town, but when she was a young girl, when she was a teenager, just out of high school, she was working at one of the downtown women's clothing stores or something, and uh, this rather colorfully dressed lady and a young bunch of young women who also were pretty colorfully dressed came in, and she waited on, they bought gloves or some such thing, and... Uh, after they left, she said to uh, somebody who running the store, said, well, it was really an interesting experience. That very nice lady and her daughters were good customers. And the other person left and said, they were no daughters. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, she was young. She didn't know any better. She didn't know, yeah. I thought maybe you were going to tell me that uh, Nell was trying to recruit her or something like that. <laughs> no, it's just a case oh, of, of uh, being a, a teenager uh, look, who didn't really know what was going on. Look, or, right. Had or not, a sheltered existence. Uh, well, I had not met yeah, Nell this, or This knew. would have been in probably the 1920s or so. So, yeah, and, uh, Very interesting that that happens. Actually, uh, in later years, after uh, <clears throat> after the motorized transport became, she always had a very nice, fancy car, a big Buick of some sort, and so she and the girls would go out for a ride in that too. But when she was still operating a horse, or horses, uh, one of the uh, businessmen on West a on East Avenue got in trouble with his wife. Uh, his name was Charles Bignani, and he was a very upright, very, you know, uh, solid citizen of Kanki. He's a harness maker and had his, his harness-making shop on East Avenue. 
In fact, I think he even at some point was on the school board or something. But anyway, he was very well known and very well thought of. She commissioned him to do a fancy set of harness, white leather and all this sort of thing, which he did. But he was in hot water from his wife for dealing with that terrible woman. <laughs> so, I would imagine so. It, uh, <laughs> oh, but hey, honey, I gotta. We gotta pay for our house and our, right. ki- our yes. kids. <laughs> oh my! I can't turn down a job like that. That's right. Well, you're talking about clothing and so forth, and fancy clothing for the girls and so forth. That sometimes was a point of contention and showed a a different side of Nell. Do we by chance have any of uh, the clothes at the museum? Not that we know of. Oh. <laughs> Although, who knows what's tucked away? What's sometimes. in that back room? Yeah, that's right. But uh, in 1908, for example, and this is something that happened from time to time, Nell would actually go to the police and uh, complain about somebody who had, uh, usually one of her girls, who had done something that she thought was unlawful, and she wanted the police to get to deal with it. So, uh, for, for example, in uh, December 1908, uh, two girls listed as inmates of the Clark Resort <laughs> uh, left town aboard an interurban trolley headed for Chicago. Uh, their absence was discovered by the mysterious, and the police notified that the two girls had escaped after stealing clothing belonging to the brothel keeper. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Democrat noted that when they left the Clark House, they were wearing Madame Nell's Clark clothing. Every article of apparel they were clad in had been purchased by Clark money. <laughs> well, the police put out a uh, a bulletin to capture them, and when they got off the interurban trolley up in Chicago Heights, uh, the police were waiting for them and brought them back. They... <clears throat> so just from that, hearing that story... It makes me wonder how she treated her her women. Uh, frequently, fairly roughly. There it were sounds like where it. There were reports of her uh, getting into an argument with one of the girls and uh, decking him. <laughs> Just, yeah. She was tough. You know? uh, anyways, these two girls that had come back, uh, Nell complained that you know, to think that they should run away after all that I have done for them— <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but she dropped charges against them when they said they agreed to return back to work at the of, West Avenue Of course. But yeah. the fact that the, the police were engaged in that and they knew exactly what Nell oh, yes. was doing is just mind-blowing. It was a very different era. Very, very different. Yeah. How is there documentation of how she, you know, recruited her workers? No, but I think it was fairly common at the time that, you know, somebody would come to town and actually in most cases they probably sought her out. <laughs> okay. Uh, to, and or others had, you know, maybe been operating independently and decided they would be better off with a, a regular organization of some mm-hmm. sort. Uh, is there any – now, while she's running uh, what is today city where City Tavern is at mm-hmm. – was she? Did she eventually have multiple houses in Kankakee? She did. Uh, there was one that 
was re- uh, was sort of mentioned as kind of a franchise. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that from just from yes. what I'm learning about Nell. It sounds like she would be the woman to have mm-hmm. a franchise of houses. Yes. There was a, a young woman that she got in a fight with over something or other. And the girl's woman's name was Polly something or other. Uh, and I, I think it was. The, Let's see, Polly had her own house somewhere, but apparently not a lot of, of girls working for her. But she and Nell got into an argument over something, and eventually there was you know, a lawsuit or some sort or other. But eventually Nell dropped, again, dropped the charges against her and, and set up this young woman in one of the houses, she, a house she owned on Third Avenue, I think. And uh, the woman changed her. Her last name to Polly Clark. <laughs> oh. So apparently this was a sort of semi-franchised operation. Okay. Actually, Nell owned quite a bit of property. Uh, at the time she died, she had at least three uh, pieces of, of property, including the, the house on West Avenue, which was valued at $10,000 at that time, which was pretty solid money in the 1940s. Uh, I know there was... One or two addresses on Third Avenue, which were associated strong, and she owned the property and were always being raided for something or other. Um, her daughter Gertie uh, was in the business, and she had her own places. She was in Bradley some of the time, and there was various notes about uh, her being arrested in Bradley. Her two sons were both career low. Low-level career criminals. Uh, I think one uh, one of them was Arthur, ended up in Joliet for something or other. As, and Sylvester, and I've forgotten. He had a nickname, but I've forgotten what it was. I know at least once he was arrested for bootlegging and running a still. Uh, other members of Nell's family. Her she had a brother. Um, and I believe a sister, and they both were being arrested constantly for running body houses or whatever and so forth. So it was kind of a criminal family. Yeah, <laughs> sounds like uh, it. But uh, Nell, of course, among other things, liked uh, flashy stuff. She liked, she dressed well, but she also liked jewelry, and she was quite a collector of diamonds, and she didn't hesitate to wear them around town and show off the sparkly stuff. This was probably not a good idea in some respects. <laughs> right. Uh, at 2 a.m. on September 18th, 1914, there was a, a knock on the door at 367 South uh, West Avenue. Uh, when the housekeeper opened the door, uh, a, gang, a gang of five men pushed their way into the house and took over the place. Uh, at that time, it was a quiet period. Everything had shut down for the night, of course, but they demanded to uh, be taken to Nell's quarters, and they, she woke up from sleep and was ordered to open the safe where her diamonds were kept. Uh, when she hesitated, the leader of the robbery crew threatened to blow it open with nitroglycerin, and she said, oh, maybe I will open it up after all. So she did. 
and it yielded a, a pretty good haul. Uh, a number of diamond rings, a diamond bracelet, woman's gold watch studded with diamonds, a gold golden diamond pins, a man's gold watch, and probably about $175 in cash, according to the newspaper story. That was a pretty good haul. But they noticed one more thing that they wanted to add to it. She was wearing diamond earrings, and she was wearing them at the time. So the, uh, the head of the the group said, okay, hang, hand over the earrings. And, and she said, no, I'm not going to do that. And so uh, Nell told the, the Kanky paper the story of this. And she said, one of them uh, told me to take out my earrings. I refused to do so at first. And one of them asked the other fellows for a knife. Where's the knife? Let's cut them out. One of them said that he had a knife. Then I told them not to, to cut them out, that I would take them off. <laughs> so she did. Uh, once they had gathered up all their loot, uh, which was estimated in value about $50,000. So it was really serious money in the 1918. Well, that, that was Nell's money? That was Yeah, that was or... $50,000 in the value of the jewels and so Oh, forth. everything that was the, the stolen. Loot. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot of money for 1914. Yes, Holy it was. Cow. Big money. So they jumped into a car and and took off, headed east on 17. Uh, very shortly, the uh, police turned up, at having been called to Nell's house, and uh, they took Nell's car, which was bigger and more powerful than anything the police department had, <laughs> and started giving chase which was reported as one of the most exciting police chases in the history of Kankakee and so forth and so on. They went out 17 and then up Route 1 toward Moments and somehow got kind of lost in the back rows and then they turned up again on Route 1 and the, uh, police, the police found them again were chasing them. So they drove the car into a ditch and disappeared into the cornfields because there's all cornfields up there. It was just, you know. Sure. And, of course, being... Uh, September, the corn was, was high, and you know, so they couldn't find them at first, but they put together a, a posse and a search group, and they spent the, the daylight hours following this, searching all the fields without any success. They had gotten away, it looked like. Well, somehow the next day, uh, the little town of Solit, I don't know if you're familiar with that or not. No. It's a sort of a wide spot in the road. It's on Route 1 right at the Wilkankee County line. Okay. It's smaller now even than it was then, apparently. Uh, Is it still called Solid? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, there was a, a grocery store there, and somebody saw a couple suspicious-type characters that came in and bought some, you know, uh, drinks and sandwiches or something and then sure. disappeared. So they tipped off the cops, and the cops started searching in that area uh, around Grant Park and so forth, which was the area between Grant Park and Solid was where they thought they might find them. And they did. They, they, <laughs> they found two of the five robbers sitting under a tree along the road uh, eating their, their sandwiches and so forth. They arrested them <laughs> without any problems at all and recovered probably about a third of the loot, maybe a little more than that. Uh, I'm not sure whether they ever recovered the rest of it or the rest of the gang, but the fellow who was the leader of the gang, his name was Charles Carney, uh, was a, a career criminal, and uh, he ended up 
breaking out of the Kankakee County Jail, I think, at one point, before he was being sent, after being sentenced, before he was sent to Joliet. Uh, two months later, they tracked him down someplace down south and brought him back, and he ended up serving the rest of his sentence. No, meanwhile, just went back to normal operations. She got some, more some of her jewelry back at Get least. some of it, yeah. I'm, I'm sure either they didn't find the rest of the gang or some of it could have been dropped in the cornfields oh, yes. that they were... Turned up with somebody's plow sometime. <laughs> I was wondering. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yes. Go back to the... Find one of those areas. We'll start doing some, some tilling. Yes. It's kind of like when you find... Uh, the the arrowheads once That's in a right. while. <laughs> Except you know. these arrowheads have You're, bigger fresh tanks. <laughs> much bigger. Yeah, maybe we'll find a diamond yeah. out there. Uh, we have only one picture of Nell that we ever found. She and daughter Gertie. You know, it's not a very good picture, so it's kind of hard to make out. And it must have been a a, a young a young picture. Yeah, fairly right? young because well, Gertie was an adult at that time. So, oh, so uh, because Gertie Gert, at that time Gertie was running her own house. Apparently. Oh, okay. I thought so maybe she was a, she was a woman in probably her twenties at that time. So, okay, or maybe late teens. Uh, there's also a uh, drawing that. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Joe Campbell, who was a, a local sign painter and a, quite a well-known artist in town, did a lot of paintings and drawings of various times. He knew Nell when his younger days was sort of the end of her era. And uh, when the journal had, I think, how did I say I mentioned this before? The journal had a series of six stories on Nell Clark in 1976. Uh, tracing her whole career. It was written by Bruce Brown, who was uh, had been a newspaper reporter for the Journal in the 30s and 40s and 50s, uh, and eventually retired as general manager of the Journal. But he came back in retirement in 76 and researched and wrote this very thorough series on Nell's life and history. Uh, and it was illustrated by a drawing that Joe Campbell had done because he remembered what she looked, looked like. like. It was not a. This was not a particularly flattering picture. And the other one is not. It's hard to tell in the the photograph uh, what she really looked like because it was, it was her, somewhat her older days. Yeah. But various descriptions of Nell uh, use kind of equivalent terms like she was not unhandsome or uh, that she was somewhat attractive and so forth. One of the things that uh, set her apart from uh, more respectable type females in is uh, she had bright red hair and it was artificial she used henna which was a uh, a coloring agent that uh, and usually uh, people with henna hair in those days were considered questionable <laughs> i feel like uh redheads still have that questionable uh, <laughs> um astigmatism uh or uh, excuse me um Right, a stig stigma. Yeah, a stigma. Yeah, I think that's still that stigma is still attached uh, to redheads. I don't think it's true. Yeah, you but, may have a lot of redheads yeah. uh, sending you nasty messages. <laughs> well, I actually my my son's mother is a redhead, uh -huh. oh, okay. so um, you know, I mean. I have nothing. I, I don't think that whole stigma about redheads is true because <laughs> I always thought she was wonderful and I never thought she was crazy or anything like that. So I think it's just yeah. something that somebody made up all yeah, those years it. ago. That's right. 
about redheads and yeah yeah no nose redhead was red hair was a very aggressively red color I mean, not quite as crazy as some of the the uh, artificially red red hair and blue hair and green hair that you see that you see today yeah young people today but it certainly set her apart um a lot of people have stories about it. One of the stories, or actually, there was a letter that was in the journal probably after uh, Bruce Brown's series from a uh, person in Kanki who had been around for quite a few years, uh, noting that yes, you know, Nell was certainly in a, a an unlawful business, and uh, a lot of people thought she was a terrible person, but she had another side that. She often would respond to people in in, in need. You know, somebody who had lost their job, they suddenly find that uh, with the winter coming on, they had a supply of coal turn up in their house, or uh, someone would get, you know, if they were in need of groceries in the neighborhood. Uh, suddenly they would magically appear courtesy of Nell and so forth. So she did supposedly have one uh, another side. So, uh, so she had a <clears throat> she had a soft side to her. Oh yeah, well, yeah. like everybody has. You have a different. You know, your personality is not all one thing. I guess, or your life is not all one direction. Yes, I uh, agree. The era of Nell Clark and a lot of her. Sisters in Business, uh, pretty much came to an end in 1942 in Kankakee. Uh, there had been, of course, a lot of, through the years, there were always raids on and off and that sort of thing. Uh, Bruce Brown noted uh, in his series that, uh, in the, uh, that there are a couple of periods of time when there was a sort of a... Uh, plea bargain kind of thing, I guess. The prosecutors at the time would come to an agreement with Nell that she would pay whatever fine would last and then leave town for five years. This happened at least twice where she had their five-year periods when she went to town. And I think it, during one of those, after the first, during the first one, her building at 367 Southwest Avenue became county property. They had seized it. Wow. Uh, and after she came back... Uh, she bought it back or something? Well, or? No, she opened up, went back to her... She had a house on 3rd on Third Avenue, and she was operating that. But <clears throat> she also uh, tried to break into the 367 house, which I don't know whether it's tenanted at that time or empty, and tried to steal back some of her furniture and that sort of thing. <laughs> and so uh, she ended up with another plea deal and another five-year vacation <laughs> out of town sort of thing. But uh, by about 1931, she was back in business on a very low-key place. She was back at 367 South. West Avenue, and Bruce Brown noted in the his series that in the last decade or so of her career, the long-standing war between Nellie Clark and the nice people of Kankakee uh, settled down to a periodical, almost routine raids and police court fines. But in 1942, we were just 
into World War II, of course. And in 1939, there had been a an act of Congress called the May Act, which was enacted, and it kind of dealt with national security in a way. Uh, what it the Congressional Act declared that prostitution was illegal within, quote, a reasonable distance of military establishments. Now, the nearest military establishments to Kankakee, of course, were Great Lakes Training, training uh, Naval Training Station in North Chicago, Illinois, and the uh, Air, Corps, Air Force or Army Air Corps Base at uh, Rantoul, Illinois. Now, both these seem to be rather distant, but they also were very easily connect, reach, reachable. The Kanku is very reachable yeah, from either of them. Yeah, you could easily but, drive yeah. to either one of those. That's and right. now the, the— Or take the train. Or take the train, yeah. right. And the armory mm -hmm. in Kankakee, was that, that wasn't there yet, or was well, it being built? the armory was there, but that was a—, uh, a uh, no, it was built in the 1920s. Uh, and there had been an armory for years, and there's still an armory in Kankakee that— for those were for the uh, reserves or you know national guard. Yes, uh, this one built basically with federal troops. In 1942, on uh, February 9th and 10th, 1942, uh, eight houses in Kankakee were raided by the police and shut down. Uh, Kanki basically was put off limits to military personnel for those period and stayed that way for most of the war. Uh, you had to, if you went, if a person in the military wanted to visit Kankakee for some reason or other, they'd had to get a permit, and it had to be a permit for like an invitation of somebody who said, "Oh, we're going to have service people in for dinner," you know, sort of thing over the weekend type of thing. Wow. So, um, anyway. Two months later, uh, on April 28, 1942, Mel uh, Clark went out of business permanently. <laughs> she died at the age of 79 in, in her house at 367 Southwest Avenue. Uh, she was buried in Papinaw in the Prairie Dell Cemetery. Where she was born. Small stone mausoleum there. Uh, but her story wasn't over. <laughs> During the period after the big robbery and so forth, uh, Chicago newspapers and, and the kind of popular uh, reference had kind of tagged the name Diamond Nell to her because of her diamonds and so forth. And so there was, I guess, kind of a local legend that uh, her, her diamonds and other goodies had been buried with her in this mausoleum. Oh, no. So... At least twice in the oh forties and fifties uh, or sixties, somewhere in there, people broke into it and uh, you know rifled and couldn't find. Apparently, didn't find anything, but just messed everything up. But in nineteen ninety one, it was broken into again, and this was different. It was just three teenagers from Kanki and Iroquois County uh, had broken in and disturbed the remains and took her skull <laughs> and uh, then departed. Well, the mother of one of these 
teenagers found this skull in his room or whatever and said, was immediately suspicious. Where did you get this? <laughs> and eventually the story came out and the cops were were called and uh, recovered the, the skull and returned it where it belonged. And I assume uh, the rest of the kids and had at least some sort of a... a, a quite, but anyway, so 1991, Mel, Mel was back in the news again, even though it had been uh, quite a few years since she'd actually died. Wow. And, Very colorful story. Yeah, and I mean, there's so... I, over the years myself, I've heard that City Tavern is haunted by her ghost. Mm -hmm. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. What are the stories you've heard or what, what have you ever experienced that or met anyone that has stories on that or no I haven't I too have heard the you know the rumors that it was uh was haunted by but it, it might not be her ghost, just about but... every every place in town seems to have a story about somebody being haunted yeah I mean we, well we a had... place that old yeah it's you know it dates back to the mm -hmm. late 1800s I mean uh the uh Dr. E.L. small house on the museum campus uh some people believe that there's a, a spirit living there. Yeah. Uh, I remember that uh, one of our volunteers who was uh, working to, when we opened up the second floor of the house and refurbished it to show what, when it's, you know, in the, during the small family's growing up period, what it was like, he said he heard some very, very strange things. Doors would mysteriously creak and open and close. And I think he heard a, barking of a dog one time and footsteps. And he said it was a little creepy. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's that's kind of the similar yeah. stories I've heard about, like the upstairs of City Tavern. Oh, I imagine so, yeah. That yeah. was where all the girls were. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I know we had one of the, the paranormal ghost hunter groups came in and did some uh, research at the house, and I don't know if they ever actually did anything solid. I think they supposedly had said, yes, you probably have a ghost. <laughs> I, I know I talked to Veronica about that before, and uh, she said th that there was something there. I couldn't remember exactly what she told me, but it sounded like, yeah, they recovered some type of... Yeah, uh, they found something visual on one of their recordings or whatever. Yeah. I don't remember the details either, but I know yeah. that they spent... A whole night there. With the... And I know there's been paranormal groups that have been to City Tavern, too. Oh, I'm sure they you have. Know. Um, and I mean, with, with all the different, I mean, think about it. All the years that Nell ran that house, think about all the different people that came in and out of there. Oh, yes. I it's n would not be shocking to find that there's paranormal activity oh, yeah. in that house, <laughs> considering everything that's happened there. And I know... When I think when we did the episode about the the Roaring Twenties here on Kankakee Podcast, that would have been with Jory Walters, yes, um, your your coworker from the museum. Uh, she's the research coordinator. Um, she talked about there being apparently accounts of either Al Capone or Al Capone's men visiting City mm -hmm. Tavern mm -hmm. and things like that. Might well so, have. Yeah. Because there's a lot of points of contact with the Capone gang around this area during that period. But uh, kind of fun. Nell, we do, of course, uh, the uh, 
every other year the cemetery walk and we of course the actors from Kanki Valley Theater portray different people at their grave sites and so forth we added Nell to the collection one year because uh, even though she was buried in Papinaw her focus was here and uh, the script for the actor actress had her walking out from behind a, uh, a stone mausoleum there on, on, in uh, Mound Grove Cemetery and introducing herself and noting that while she was not actually buried here, she was buried down in, in Pampanaw, uh, she felt very comfortable here at Mound Grove because a lot of her former customers were here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. I like that. Yeah, they probably are. Yes, indeed. <laughs> They're all buried there. Oh, goodness. Well, that was, uh, it was great to learn more about Nell Clark and her crazy story. I'm sure as this episode comes out, I would imagine some people are going to get in contact with me and say, oh, well, I've heard this or there's this exactly. story too. Mm-hmm. And and uh, so just know that this, uh, this episode isn't everything about Nell Clark. It's just yeah. what we have That's right. in front of us right now. So I, I know considering the business she was in um, and considering the kind of reputation she had, I'm sure there's just plenty of stories, whether they're true or not, have been passed down from generation to generation to generation, considering she was in business for so long. Yes. Yeah, so, 1893 at least until 1942. Yes, absolutely. So, um, Jack, thank you once again, Jack Clacy, for being on. Um, I want to remind people that his uh, weekly column in the Daily Journal is available in the weekend edition of the paper. Um, every single weekend, there's always something interesting. In fact, um, a person can look up the articles that uh, you did on Nell Clark as well. That's right. Um, those are actually pretty recent, so they can find those archived and then just look forward to, to future articles as well. So, um, Jack, anything else to to plug on your end? Mm, I think that that's probably a pretty much. Oh, one kind of interesting side item. Uh, we ran across information about one of Nell's co uh, well a member of her organ not her organization but of her profession uh, ran a very well-known brothel in Chicago. Uh, her name was Carrie Watson, and she was the leading madam in Chicago in the late 1800s, uh, was most well-known for her uh, the parrot that she had in a cage outside her front door <clears throat> that would uh, tell, and if, if when it saw a male person walking down the street, would say, Kerry Watson, gentlemen, come in. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> Kerry Watson owned a farm in Kankakee County. Uh, she had a good sized, I think it was about a hundred and some acres on the Kankakee River. Wow. Uh, right across from um, just north of Aroma Park. I'm trying to think of the name of the subdivision. Uh, the first subdivision north out of Aroma Park on Waldron Road. 
and okay. two-lane boulevard in that area. Okay. Uh, directly across the river. And she had uh, her sort of summer or slash retirement home there on the property. And the story was that she would throw some really fantastic parties with all of her friends and uh, co-workers from Chicago there during the years. She also was in a running battle with uh, a very peculiar man, and whose name escapes me right now. I wrote a column on him, who had was a squatter on an island in the uh, in the river. He and his family, <clears throat> and they were very quite well known. There was a big battle because she maintained she owned the island and tried to kick him off, and he would sue her, and she would sue him, and that sort of thing. Oh my gosh! There's another story we'll have to oh yes hear about. <laughs> Wow. But uh, that's anyway, that was an interesting relationship to, to find that there was somebody else in the same business who owned Re- property here. Yeah, and retired here. That's <laughs> wow. All these connections. Oh, yes. Everything is connected. It really is, especially I would think so in that business, mm-hmm. you know. So, all right, Jack, this has been great once again. Thank you so much. Um, just to remind everyone to please visit the Kankakee County Museum. It's on uh, South 8th Avenue in Kankakee. And also the French Heritage Museum is reopened for the season That's on right. Saturdays. That's right. Mm-hmm. And you can find that in downtown Kankakee. Um, and, uh, yeah, kankakeecountymuseum.com has all the details. Uh, also Facebook and Instagram at Kankakee County Museum. And mm-hmm. the Rhubarb Festival coming up May 22nd. Uh, 10 a.m. until 4 p.m. There's no uh, entry fee, no. but obviously there's plenty of, of vendors and obviously rhubarb pie and That's food right. and music and all mm-hmm. that stuff that you can... And the museum is open, uh, the uh, A.L. Small House is open, and the Taylor Schoolhouse. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's a good opportunity to go inside the museum if you That's haven't right. already. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, think that about covers it. Very good. Thank you for having me once again. Of course. Thanks, Jack. Well, that concludes this episode of Kankakee Podcast. I'm Jake Lamore. Thank you so much for listening. Please share this podcast with a family member, friend, or neighbor that you think might enjoy learning new things about the people and places of Kankakee County. The more we share this podcast with new people, the more we're going to grow. And also, a special thank you to our patrons for helping make this episode possible, including Jake Lee, Jesse Arsenal, Dave Barron, Daryl Damper, Samantha Rocknowski, Lake Iverson, Jake Vaughn, Travis Garcia, Jane Bostwick, Don Harrison, Simon Topless, Scott Wright, Carrie O'Connell, Jamie Race, Eric Olson, Jeff and Rosa Carroll, Teague Drenan, Sandy and Steve Twait, and Rose Lucky. Now, to become a podcast patron, go to kankakeepodcast.com and click on the patron tab. Now, if you pledge $5 or more per month, you'll also hear your name announced on every episode. Now, there's also other rewards like early access to episodes, commercial-free episodes, podcast merch, discounts on podcast events, uh, you and I grabbing coffee and heading to the Kankakee County Museum together, and so many other cool rewards. Now, our monthly pledge currently is 
our, our, our goal, I should say, our monthly goal right now is $400 per month. And this just helps cover the costs of the podcast. But also, I'm trying to launch a new YouTube series called Kankakee Podcast Out and About, where not only do you get to hear about the people and places of Kankakee County, but you get to see some of these places, actually see inside some of these cool places in Kankakee County. So that would be the whole point of this YouTube series that we would do once a month. So please sign up for our patron program today. Even if it's just $1 a month, it really does go a long way. You can do that at kankakeepodcast.com. Our theme song is by Lupe Carroll, and I'll talk to you next time. <laughs>